good to be back. Um, seems like a long time since we've been here. <laughs> and um, it's always good to be back home, but it's, uh, it's kind of heart-wrenching to have to leave uh, where we were ministering. And I think uh, this was probably one of the most difficult times for us to leave uh, because we just, um, we just saw the Lord working, uh, especially in the lives of some of the young people there in, in Kosovo. And so I, I guess we're, we're live streaming, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you where we're at in case you don't know where Kosovo is. Um, and it is in the Balkans in former Yugoslavia. And the former Yugoslavia uh, broke up uh, after communism fell into several different nations, Slovenia, Bosnia, Croatia, Serbia, uh, Montenegro, and um, uh, Macedonia, and then um, also Kosovo. And um, Jason, is there, is there any way to get those pictures that are, are full size on there? Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay, it is. I'm looking at this one. I'm <laughs> looking at the wrong one. So you'll see those pictures as they go by. You'll kind of get an idea of uh, some of the kids that we were dealing with and, um, and the construction project. Now let me tell you why, why we were there. Uh, we uh, left uh, last October to go to, to Kosovo to uh, build uh, the Kosovo Leadership Academy. And that uh, is a school, for, an American school, an English-speaking school for Kosovar young people. And it's not a Christian school per se. Kosovo uh, has freedom of religion, even though it is an Islamic, predominantly Islamic country. Um, they do uh, technically have freedom of religion, but you're not allowed to um, have or be recognized as a Christian school or even a Muslim school. And so we, we were over there to build uh, this school building. And uh, let me just kind of share with you, uh, give you a little background about Kosovo. In 1999, 98-99, um, um, the Serbs, and you probably remember this, remember this, but Milosevic, who was the, the uh, leader of the Serbian army, basically took troops into this area of Serbia, which Kosovo was, and started slaughtering ethnic Albanians, uh, people who were, or were of Albanian origin and who were Muslim. The Serbs were Orthodox, and they went in and just uh, slaughtered these people by the thousands. They had no way to defend themselves. Um, some of them went into Albania to try to get weapons and to come back uh, to fight the Serbs, but it was basically a one-sided battle. And you'll see that uh, NATO sign right there. Uh, in 1999, uh, the United States, uh, through NATO, came in and, and did airstrikes against the Serbs and uh, stopped the ethnic cleansing. And, uh, and Kosovo was set aside as an independent country and later become, became recognized as its own entity within the former Yugoslavia. So it's a very small country, about the size of uh, uh, Rhode Island or Connecticut. Uh, it takes you probably an hour and a half to drive across the entire country in e any direction. But um, the, the population there is primarily uh, ethnic Albanian, so we would hear a lot of Albanian picked up a little bit of Albanian, not too much, but it, it is kind of a Latin-based or many Latin-based words. Um, and so uh, a few years ago, uh, shortly after the war, 
an ABWE missionary uh, whose name was Nadine uh, Hennessy, uh, was a single mom. She had uh, married a youth pastor at a very uh, young age, uh, I think in her early 20s. And uh, they were married only about a year and, and he was like 26 years old and one day just dropped dead of a heart attack. And um, just, just all of a sudden, and she was pregnant with her daughter, Lydia. So Lydia never knew her father, but Nadine went down to Peru for a couple of years and, and worked there. And then God called her to the country of Kosovo. And she, uh, at, shortly after the war in 99, started working with orphans, kids that had lost uh, one or both parents in the war. And uh, she created a ministry called the House of Laughter. And the kids would come in after school and she would teach them English and basically teach them uh, Bible principles. And uh, one of the young people that was saved uh, in, uh, in the dean's ministry, his name was Lavdom. And Lavdom ended up marrying Lydia, Nadine's daughter, and, and they're both there now. They went to Cedarville College, and they are both there now on, on the team, arrived shortly before we did in October, and are, are part of the team there. So Lavdom is obviously totally familiar with the culture, and, uh, and it's been Nadine's dream for many years to start a, a school where she could teach uh, young people and, and teach them biblical principles. And uh, the pictures you're seeing now uh, go through is, is a time lapse from October all the way until just uh, last week when we left of, of the building. The building uh, it really is a dream come true for, for Nadine Hennessy, just a godly, godly woman. And, uh, and so the school consists of, uh, this past year was the first year. The school uh, was uh, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, and about 30 students. And um, it was in another building, and they'll be moving to this building here in a couple of months. But um, so they teach them in English, teach them uh, much more than what they would get in the public school. If you go to the public school there, you only go to school a half day. The schools are so crowded. And these kids go to school all day. And the teachers, uh, teachers there are all, all missionaries. Teachers love them and treat them with respect. In the public schools, the, the, the kids are hit. Um, they're, they're talked down at and it's just really a, it's really a tough situation for the students. And so we've seen over this past school year, and Renee will tell you more about that, uh, God just working in the lives of these kids. And again, we're not teaching, uh, we're not teaching Bible overly, uh, but every morning there's an assembly for the students, and every morning they're teaching Bible principles, and these kids don't know that. <laughs> no, they're getting Bible principles. And it's been really interesting to see the kids over the year start to take these principles and apply them in their lives. And, uh, and we're praying that uh, God will, will cause an awakening there in this Muslim country and uh, let these uh, precious people see the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I just want to share with you a verse, and this is, this is kind of an obscure passage in Luke 1, and, and it's actually Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, prophesying about John the Baptist and what his ministry would be. And, I, and I looked at this, when I looked at this, I thought this is really kind of what the ministry uh, for the team in Kosovo is. 
And uh, in, in uh, Luke 1, 76, and you child will be called the prophet of the most high. And that's talking about John the Baptist. You will go before the Lord pr to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of, of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. You know, Kosovo is such a, a country that is that is hungry for the gospel. Um, most Muslims there are very nominal Muslims. Um, we do uh, hear the call to prayer. They're through where we lived in our house, or we were positioned right in the middle of where three mosques were. I don't know if I can can I let, let me pull this up on my phone so you can hear what this is like because. Have anybody ever heard the call to prayer from a mosque? Just a couple of people. I want you to, let me see if I can bring this up while I'm talking to you and see, because I want you to hear um, what this sounds like. This is what we hear five times a day. Let's see if it'll. So you kind of you kind of get an idea, and, that, and we hear that five times a day, except threefold all at the same time, and especially during Ramadan, which which was the month that just you know this past month, and yet it's um, my heart breaks when I see these people, and I see the spiritual condition that they're in. Now, are they worse people um, because they're Muslim? No, I think we need to look at them how God looks at them. They're lost sinners who need the gospel. They're not any more lost than a, than a Catholic or a Baptist or a Presbyterian who doesn't know the Lord. And yet we want to be able to go and bring hope to the, to the people of Kosovo. And they're a, they're a warm people, they're a friendly people, they love Americans. And uh, as I was mentioning back in December, I think when we were up here, um, they will go out of their way to speak to Americans and they respect Americans uh, a lot. And so we have an advantage of being Americans and being there and being able to share with them. Now I went, to, let me just explain what I did and then Renee will go into kind of what, what uh, she was involved with. Renee really found a neat niche in her ministry there. But every day I would go walk to the work site. We had a house about uh, uh, probably a half, less than a half a mile, quarter of a mile away from the work site and I would go to the work site and I would supervise what was going on on the construction. We had a, uh, a Kosovar contractor there and, and his, name was, his name is Hilmi and I would work with Hilmi every day to make sure that everything was done correctly and, and to help pick out if they needed something picked out for the building and I would facilitate all of that. 
and um, and so I, I got to know Hilmi in in Osman, the guy sitting there with, at tea with me. If you just saw him, um, had lunch with him every day, had tea with them a couple times every day. And I, I'm not a tea drinker, a hot tea drinker, but I became one uh, out of respect for them because uh, they're they're so hospitable. And I told them at times, I said, "You guys are trying to drown me." Uh, they, they kept trying to pump tea into me, but that's part of the custom there, so you, so you go with it. And, uh, and so there were a couple of times that Hilmi and I uh, would travel in the car. He took me to a car show, believe it or not, in Kosovo, and got, got a little chance to talk to him and uh, a little bit about what he believed. And a very, very devout man, a very good man, um, a very honest man, but still needs the Lord. And uh, it's very, very difficult um, when, when you are born, um, when you are born Muslim, that is part of who you are. You know, here as Americans, we think, well, I'm a Christian because I choose to be a Christian. When, you, when you're in a culture where you're born uh, into a religion, uh, like, like in Kosovo or like you, you, when you're Albanian, um, that is part of your identity. Identity. So it's very hard for people who are Muslim to break away from, from that and to embrace another, what they think is religion. And their idea of Americans is that all Americans are Christians. And so they think, well, you're an American, you're a Christian. Just like if you're a Serb, you're Orthodox. Or if you're Russian, you're Orthodox. And so there's a lot of, a lot of uh, preconceived ideas. There's a lot of preconceived ideas about Christians and about what they believe. And yet, um, it's a very, very slow process, and I, I feel like um, we we made a little progress. But you know, it's ultimately it's the holy it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and uh, you know we have to any any time we're dealing with someone who needs Christ, we ha we have to realize that it's it's not necessarily anything that we're going to say, but it has to be God's Holy Spirit that draws them. And uh, if you I was listening to the radio, and you can go back on a podcast and listen to it, but I think it was last Thursday or Friday on Chris Fabry Live, on the second segment, he was interviewing a, a Muslim girl who had accepted Christ, and, it was, and everything she said was exactly what we've learned while we've been there. And you might want to go back on Moody Radio and listen to that, because I think it'll really give you an insight into what the Muslim faith believes and, uh, and, and how we can reach out to those people. And I think a lot of it's just showing the love of Christ. You know, when you're in a religion where uh, these people, you heard that call to prayer, that was all in Arabic. When they pray, they pray in Arabic. They do not know what they're praying to Allah. Uh, and so you're de they're dealing with a God who is sovereign, but also a God who, um, who's not necessarily a merciful, loving God. And, uh, and, it, and life, life can be difficult. Can you imagine if we, we worshiped a God who, who didn't love us or didn't necessarily care? And, and, it, and it's so sad. I was walking home from this, the site one day, and I remember the construction workers about this stage that you see in the pictures right here, the uh, concrete workers, and they were the, on the job the longest of any of the teams. So I got to know them pretty well. And uh, God just burdened my heart in such a great way. And I thought, who is going to reach these guys? Who is going to tell them about Christ? 
And I just prayed that God, through Hilmi, God might somehow save him and that he could share the gospel because I can't speak Albanian. And uh, I don't know if I can learn Albanian, but, but God, God knows. And um, so a very difficult field, but a field that was very rewarding. I'm going to let Renee share a little, then maybe if I think she, if there's something else I need to add, I will. But she'll tell you about, about the children in the school. I want to start by saying I am so thankful for what the Lord has done in my heart while I was in Kosovo. Um, it was approximately six months prior to us even leaving. Um, to be really truthful with you, our, our home church, our people, Mark and I became very discouraged and we didn't know what the Lord was doing. We didn't, couldn't see him working. We didn't, we didn't see him working. We couldn't feel him working. We had no direction. Um, we were feeling like we are lost wanderers and um, we came so close to quitting. We sought advice from people we respect. We sought advice from um, many different people. And we chose not to share it because we thought we want to learn this lesson between God and us. And we did not want to have all these other pressures and opinions. And we just prayed and cried and just really came to the Lord and just said, Lord, what are you doing? We see the doors closing. What do you want us to do? So we thought we understood. We tried to go to, through different doors. The doors um, didn't open. Some of them opened. Some of them hit us in the behind as we were trying to go through them. Um, and then one day when we were helping some missionaries that we were living with in, in um, Chile when we were there, um, have retired, um, came back to the States, and we went to um, the Carolinas to help them um, work on their house. And we really talked to them and sought their advice on this. And while we were there, we got a phone call from um, our agency, and they said, would you consider going to um, Kosovo? And um, all of the things that we had previously told and struggled with the Lord that has always kind of held us back and, and ca caused us some struggle on other projects, all of those reasons became flat. We could, they just didn't go anywhere. God made it so obvious within that phone call that we had no choice but to say yes, that every hindrance was no longer there. So we said, yes, we'll go. And I am so glad that we answered the Lord by saying yes. I am so glad that he chose us to go. Um, I grew spiritually. My faith increased. Was it easy? Some aspects was easy. Some aspects are fun. Um, but it was hard. It's hard to 
leave your family. Usually parents have to say goodbye to their kids. Um, our kids are saying goodbye to mom and dad, which puts us a little bit different. We're saying goodbye to our grandchildren who we want to have such an active part in their life and their rearing. Um, we said goodbye to parents who are old enough that we don't know if they were gonna be here still. Um, but we're so confident that that's where we are supposed to go. Did we have fear of the country we're going to, the possibilities of where we're going to? Um, for me, I absolutely did not have any fear. Um, was that being blinded, um, ignorant? I don't think so. I think God brought that peace to me and I just walked. I walked on the path that he had for me. And in doing so, he took me in a path that I had never been before. I'm also always used to working with Mark. We're physically doing the work. Um, this time we weren't. And I thought, what am I going to do when I get there? I'll just be his wife. I'll make a home. I'll make good meals. I'll get to know my neighbors. I'll help the teammates. I will be an encouragement. Help me to be an encouragement. So I got there, and um, the Lord slowly opened up the doors. Um, and one of the doors that he opened up for me was to volunteer at the school with these kids. I wish I could tell you about each child, like those two girls right there. Um, I became very, very attached. They're sisters. They're from a typical um, Albanian family, but this family has total freedom in their home with their leadership of knowing Christ and speaking, reading the Bible. Um, but I actually was able to um, start t in a small way in a teaching position. I am not a teacher by trade. Um, I'm a mom that have taught my four kids. And with that, with me offering that to the Lord, he mushroomed that into so many lives. He brought things back into my life that I have enjoyed when I was with my children in their schooling that I enjoyed so much. Helping at a fall festival um, at their school, getting involved with different things like that, that he let me relive. And I remember the time that we were helping through the fall festival and I thought I'm here I'm getting all the prizes on the table and I'm over here getting the hot dogs already and I'm just bouncing all around acting like I've had all my sugar for the day and I was so excited and I said to somebody else I said you know you don't know me very much lately or because I just nicely got here I said but this is so me and she says we can tell We've been talking about you. And I said, you have. I said, my ears haven't been burning. I said, what have you been saying? That it's obvious, Renee, that you are enjoying what you're doing. And I said, I am. I enjoyed my position in the school and teaching key competencies, helping those kids who feel completely trapped that they will never get out of their country. They're in a country that is evil feeling. They are in a country whose 
government is not honest. They're in a country that they can't even get permission to, to go and to travel and to do things. They, they see America through TV. They see America through talking to people like us. And I'm there, and, and I remember when we first got there, I was introducing myself to the kids, and they said, Teacher Renee, why did you come? And I looked at them and I said, for you. And they go, oh, teacher, like that. And I said, no, I came for you. I don't know you, but the short time that I'm here, I will give you everything that I have. I will help you with anything that you need help with. Um, we came to help you with your new school, and I explained who Mark was. And from there, I made myself transparent, and I worked myself into these hearts of these kids, and then in return, they worked themselves into me. Um, leaving to come home was very difficult. I love my kids, I love being at home, but I absolutely loved doing what God had me to do there. To teach them manners that they had no idea of what it was, I mean, manners how to live on the street, the table manners when you eat, how to respect your elders, um, how to be organized in your time, how to, I kept telling them, you're training to be an adult. I'm here to help you train to be an adult. You're an adult in training and learning. I kept saying that and saying that and saying that. And finally then I would have the chance to say, I was also the detention lady. Um, nobody liked detention. I didn't make it easy. I made it very, they did not like it. But I was bonding determined that that's what detention was supposed to be. So, um, but I, I was able to use that detention and the, and the punishment that they had for um, breaking rules or cheating, um, um, disrespecting a teacher, disrespecting a classmate, um, I was able to spend time with them. And I said, you know, I'm here to help you realize right and wrong. And you know why we have that? It's because we're all, we all have a sin nature. We're all bad. And I wanted so bad to go into the rest of the story as we know it. But my hands are a little bit tied there. So you do everything like, and I can understand now why Jesus spoke in parables. You know, um, you can, let me tell you a story about building your life and making sure you have good friends and bad friends and, and the good foundation. And then you tell them the story about building a house on the sand and then the rock. And they don't know you're telling them a Bible story. And you're just telling them all these biblical concepts and all that. We do that every morning for about a half an hour. And then we challenge them to go out and to live it. And then we help them during the hours of the day. We talk about living it. And it's exciting. Um, I was also involved with a Bible study um, through, um, we did it with a college class. We did it with our Sunday school class. It's called the Story of Hope. It's a chronological Bible study through the Bible. Um, exposing Jesus, exposing the cross through, throughout the Bible. And we, those girls are doing it. There's five girls 
that every Tuesday we did that. We went to somebody's house, one of the um, team members' house, and these five girls had American Bible, an Albanian Bible, and their Bible study book. And how they study it during the week at home, they talk with their parents about it. But it was so neat to be able to sit there and have hear from those girls' mouth, I believe there is a Jesus. I pray to Jesus and not Allah. I have a Muslim background, but I follow Jesus in my heart. And that's why we're there. We build relationships, we help them through difficult times, and then we live each day with them. Now part of what's hard to come home, and I've shared with some of you already, is when we go to Kosovo, we leave America behind, we walk out of our doors and we close it and we leave it. If it burns, it burns. If somebody comes in and robs us, they, they do it. But we give 100% who we are, what we are, what we stand for, for wherever we go, whatever culture, whatever people group, we give them all we have. We live there among them, with them, we cry with them, we party with them, we eat with them, we live there. And when you do, you give yourself to the point that when you have to leave, it hurts. And I realize that hurting hurts and it's sad, but it's good to hurt. And if I didn't hurt, I haven't done my job. And I thank the Lord so much for giving me that chance to be there and to make a difference in the lives of kids who have no, literally no hope. They have no hope where they're at. And we can teach them, we can educate them, we can give them the hope of Christ. Um, some of these pictures are pictures that um, I wanted Mark to put up to show our life there. One of you, some of you may have noticed, what is that, how many of you saw the toilet? And you wonder what in the world Mark said, are you really going to put the toilet in there? And I said, yes, I want the toilet picture in there because those are toilets that we run across in. Our life is different when we, live here, when we leave here. We don't have the same things that everybody has here. And we join in. They're not right or wrong. They're their culture, and I'm there for it. And it's, I have to admit, when I was told it there, I thought, okay, how does this work? and I'll leave that to your imagination when you see the picture again and you can figure it out. But it's, um, it's something that I embrace. I embrace the food, um, I embrace the people, the culture, and I am so glad for like those two girls there. When I announced that I was leaving, I had one more week, she, they started to cry. And they said, oh, teacher, can I see you? And I said, yes, come to my home. Oh, please. And they walked 20 minutes one way to get there. I think it's 20 minutes. And then I gave them a little gift, and we just talked. And I encouraged them to read their Bible. I encouraged them to pray. I encouraged them how they could pray for me, how I will pray for them. Um, and then we, we prayed together, and then they left. But they, teacher, I don't want you to leave. And I said, well, I have to, you know, our job is done. 
with the building, um, just pray that the Lord will allow us to come back if he wants us. Um, to have that, that input with individual lives is, makes, makes this so worth it. Um, different scenes there from the countryside, um, the different homes. There's a, a three-story home there that the pictures that was where we lived. Um, we thank the Lord for meeting our needs while we were there. But um, I had special moments, like even riding in a car with a, a missionary teammate who starts to talk. Next thing I know, she's crying. Next thing I know, she's really crying, and we're, she's driving. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, no, don't be sorry. I'm here. I want to listen. If I don't even have advice, I want to be able to list, let you talk and then let us pray about it. And all of a sudden, the Lord told me, it's for that moment that I brought you here. It's for that conversation with that missionary. It's for that interaction with your, um, you saw a picture of me and, and my vegetable guys. It's for that handshake that you give every week to that, that vendor. It's for that hug that you give that boy that's struggling at school or the girl that you can pray with. It's for that moment that I have brought you to Kosovo. And I have learned to say, Lord, thank you. I am so glad you took me out of my comfort zone. You put me with teenagers. I'm not patient with them. But Lord, you've given me a love for them. And you've done a work in my heart. If I would have never gone, he would have never done the work in my heart and changed me. And I'm so glad that he took me there. And I'm so glad that you guys prayed for us and supported us and um, welcome us home so so nicely. I just thank you so much for all that. Well, Pastor Tom asked me to tell you what was next. You see the, the building that we just, uh, they're just finishing up the final touches. The building will be uh, dedicated on July 30th. Uh, we had to come home for some commitments, but um, it will be finished just here in a couple of weeks and they'll move into the building. Now that building you see, the large corner, this end is a gymnasium and on the other end of the building, uh, other end of the gym, there's locker rooms, uh, a large entry hall, and then uh, offices and uh, teachers conference room, a nurse's room, um, a boy, boiler room to heat the building and then uh, three very large rooms, library, music room. And they'll be using that for the school this next coming school year. And so we're praying that uh, God will uh, allow the money to be raised for the second phase, uh, which is already designed. It'll be a 27 classroom building behind this building. It'll be three stories. And it'll take approximately a year uh, to build that. And uh, we've already been uh, informally asked to come back and be project manager for that phase. And, uh, but we, do, we really don't have a good idea of when that will be. Um, they've had some meetings with some, with some donors. They need to raise about, ABWE needs to raise about a million dollars to do that portion of the building. And we're hoping that when people see the fruit of this ministry and the, 
and, and this building being complete, that they'll raise that money quickly. So it could be as early as this fall. It could be uh, as far out as maybe a year. So we don't know. Uh, and so pray with us that God will allow us to be patient to when he calls us back there to continue the work. And, uh, and just to give you an idea what to pray for, pray for... Uh, Pray for everyone that's involved in this school. There's, there's even uh, guards and people that work at the school who are unsaved and that they'll see, see the gospel. Pray for these uh, young people, especially there's, there's, as Renee said, there's five young girls who have professed Christ and are, and are new baby Christians who are growing. And we pray that that'll catch on with the boys and that uh, some of the boys will accept Christ and uh, that this will be the start of a, of a movement there in Mitrovisa, which is the, the city that this is in. And uh, some of the pictures, you might have seen houses right across the street from this school. It's a Roma village, and uh, we would call them gypsies. Uh, they're quite prevalent in, in Europe. Uh, they are from, uh, from uh, Indian descent uh, from many hundreds of years ago, and, have, and they're all over Europe. And so they're another subculture that's totally unreached there in Kosovo. They're kind of second-class citizens, but there's all kinds of little kids running around in that gymnasium that um, can be used for all kinds of activities and, and to, to reach those people. And so there's so much, there's so much to be done, and, uh, and, and pray that uh, we'll be able to uh, go back soon and that we'll get done what we need to here. And uh, pray with, just on a personal basis, we're going, in a couple days, we're going up to Michigan. Uh, my dad uh, turned 85 yesterday, and we're trying to get him to uh, decide whether he wants to come down to Tennessee and live with us. So pray for wisdom there, and on his part, or whether he wants to stay up there and freeze to death during the winters, <laughs> or come down here and, and be with us. But uh, we've, got, we've got to take care of that. We've got to take care of, uh, you know, the, those family issues. And, uh, and we're, we're excited about going back and, uh, and serving again. So um. let me add two more prayer requests. One is we are in really strong need of teachers in Kosovo. Mm -hmm. If you know of anybody that likes international teaching who can donate uh, a week to a month to just a couple months, semester, um, a semester, two years, um, they English. do not, yes, it's English speaking. The kids have to speak English. Um, so they don't, you, anybody that's gone doesn't have to learn a language. Um, they work with you in housing there. Uh, as far as finding a house, you're not just left totally on your own. Um, if I'm there, I will help you. Um, it will be fun to have somebody from my home church or connected from here to be there as a teacher. Um, even if you have um, a special um, interest or a specialty that you'd like to come over and teach that for like just two weeks at a time, they will give you a two-week period where you can just come and teach that. Um, also, pray for the five, like Mark said, those five girls. I challenge them that they come to the point in their spiritual life that they can be bold now and say something to their classmates and not be hidden. Um, we are stepping out and trying to encourage that. We know that with that can come 
a whole different host of problems, but we feel that it's time that we stand up and speak out. They, those people in Kosovo know who we are. They know that school, that school sitting up there with a light on it and everybody knows about it. So we have a testimony by the way we shop, how we walk, how we deal with everybody. So just pray even for our testimony there that we do what's right. Well, thank you for allowing us to share, Pastor Tom. 